Okay, now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're here. Good to see everybody. Nice to be back. My name is Dean. Uh, good to see you today. It is uh, Wednesday, hump day. It is like, what, the end of January now? We've just got through the Super Bowl. Hope everybody had a good weekend last weekend. Uh, we've had a few podcasts this week. Bit of a smattering, if you will. And it's always nice to touch base. I always like touching base. Don't get perverted, people. I always like touching base with my mentor, my touchstone. We like to talk about reprogramming, what we've learned, the business of the day, if you will. Uh, it is my favorite half hour to an hour of the week, depending on how much time this man gives me. Please welcome uh, a Canadian institution, uh, the voice and conscience of media in Canada from the Charles Adler podcast, aptly titled, because <laughs> it's him, Charles Adler, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just a clever name. You're on your own podcast. I think that's yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we're we're co-partnering today. Partner, before we do anything else, we're just yep. about touching base, and so I've got a skill testing question. Sure. Have you ever touched base without Mazzola? No, no, good. always, that's always good. with the Mazzola or that's a little good. bit of Crisco. Yeah, right? yeah you got to depends on what you have handy. Like, no, it just uh, you have to um, uh, you have to have shortening. Uh, so you, some kind of viscose uh, uh, material. Yes. Humor, humor is the best lubricant of life. Um, I wanted to mention that uh, for those people who are watching, I realize most people are listening. But for those you know, they have watching, avocado oil and coconut oil now too. There, right? there, are, there are there are many ways to to get it real. Yes. So um, for those people who are watching, the, you know, there's two or three people watching while there are millions listening. God, I love you. By but the way. for the two or three people who are watching, you may be wondering why I'm wearing glasses. It's because I'm fundamentally insecure. And here's the deal. That's a I really nice way to open up. Um, podcast is with the vulnerability of claiming insecurity. Well, is, everyone wants authenticity, yeah. and if you can fake authenticity, the rest is downhill. Well, so I'm from the Conservative Party of Canada, and Mega. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was, you know, I was, I was wondering whether it would take you more than two minutes, and it did. Two minutes and thirty seconds before you you're took welcome. your first shot at my former party. Yeah. You're In welcome. any case, um, recovering conservatives and others. In case you're wondering why I'm wearing the glasses, fundamental insecurity, I read somewhere recently that if you're worried about saying dumb stuff, partly because you're enabled by your partner who loves saying dumb stuff and has made millions of dollars saying dumb stuff, and you're concerned about it, maybe even a little insecure, wear glasses. It adds 10 <laughs> IQ points to the delivery. I have a feeling that might be true, actually. I don't know if you actually read it, but like when I see someone in glasses, I'm yeah. like, they're probably a little bit smarter than most right. people because they're wearing glasses. And there's a reason why I wear these. It's for vision. Right. And also, so I give the impression that I'm much more intellectual than I am. Sure. Full transparency. Yeah. These are not prescription glasses. <laughs> are there magnifiers? You got the readers on? Yeah, you bring everything closer, dude. We're not getting younger. It's okay. Apparently, after after you're forty, yeah, if you're on a screen, it uh, it's it's helpful. I won't say what number this is because it could be anywhere from, you know, one to three and a quarter. It's, it's somewhere in that somewhere in that range. You got some twelves on. Is that, is that why you don't no, want to talk about no, it? You got no, some thirteen. No, I could uh, watch this. I could I could still. Oh, you look beautiful. sort of yeah. sort of function uh, without them. But in any case, uh, that's that's what that's about. Now, 
I was hoping that you could get Elvis in here, uh, and that's all right, Mama, because mm-hmm. I know you're after a discussion of my mom. Uh, yeah. who just turned ninety. Yeah, I'm we've got her. a lot of stuff to get to today, and I want to start okay. with your mother, right? Okay. Because you put yeah. out a tweet. You and I, um, you know, a lot of people. You, you think you just podcast with a guy? Oh, you just find common interest? No, no, no. Charlie and I are very, very good friends, and uh, we have these. You call them deep philosophical conversations about family, culture, upbringing, where we're from. And, it, and it's it, sometimes these conversations last for an hour, an hour and a half. So you put out a tweet the other day because Mrs. Adler, the beautiful Mrs. Adler, is not only here. She turned a, a resilient 90 the other day. Yeah. She... Um... She overcame all the odds. I'm going to make this really brief because some of it is a bit of a downer. But uh, when uh, I say that uh, Mrs. Adler is my hero, I mean it in the sense that she is an actual hero. She actually did save people when she was just 10 years old. Once again, a lot of the story is a downer. So I'm going to give you the Coles notes or for American friends, the Cliff's notes uh, version. I don't want, by the way, this is not a downer. This is an incredible story. And I've been fortunate enough to, to have you have shared this with me privately. Um, but I think that this is a story that I think a lot of people either don't know, obviously don't know about your beautiful mother who's 90 and what she was not only capable of, what she did, not just for you and her family, but for so many other people. And you and I have not had this conversation publicly. So it, you don't, you know, buddy, don't preface it with like, hey, well, I, I don't want to bore you with the details because these details are not only historically important, they're really okay. important to share. Okay. The back, the back dra- background is, is, is rather uh, gloomy and dark. It's uh, World War II. It's the Holocaust. And Adolf Hitler is in a hurry in 1944 uh, to get rid of as many Jews as possible, specifically Adolf Eichmann, who was the... Uh, architect of his extermination uh, policy. Uh, the so-called uh, Jewish question was to be resolved by Adolf Eichmann and, and, uh, and the SS. So it's 1944, and uh, there are uh, many people who already have been killed, but the fastest way to get to another half a million, maybe 800,000 or so, is to round up uh, the Hungarian Jews. So they were the last uh, to be put on the, um, on the trains to Auschwitz. There was a heroic action uh, that was um, saving many of uh, those Jews who were in the Budapest ghetto, which is where my mother was living. Her mother had been dragged away to a different concentration camp, and fortunately, she survived. But um, my uh, my mom uh, was only 10 years old when she was in the Budapest ghetto fending for herself. She could pass, when I say could pass, meaning she didn't have any specific Jewish characteristics that uh, uh, would make people in the city where Jews weren't allowed to think that she was a Jew. She wasn't visibly uh, Jewish. She looked like, you know, everyone else. Uh, and so because she was able to pass, uh, she would uh, sneak into the city and go to some of the open markets, what I guess today we would call flea markets and farmer markets, and she would trade. So she would uh, buy and sell food. She would uh, buy and sell uh, clothing. She would buy and sell all sorts of sundries that were needed by people who were in the ghetto. Uh, they may not have been at that point in a concentration camp, but you can just imagine uh, how they were forced to live. So my mother was helpful. And then, of course, it came time for a specific operation to take place uh, involving a person who's an honorary Canadian citizen. You may hear, hear the name Raoul Wallenberg from time to time. 
Sure. He was a Swedish diplomat, and this Swedish diplomat was able to get thousands of passports, Swedish passports, into the hands of Hungarian Jews in the ghetto. Not all the Jews, unfortunately, but several thousand were rescued. And he had couriers. He had uh, certain people who, once again, could pass, uh, who were able uh, to pass uh, through the city, outside the city, inside the city, and get passports into the hands of people. And uh, my mom, my 10-year-old mom, was one of them. I have no idea how many people uh, she rescued. Um, Could be hundreds, could be thousands. It's not something that she will ever... uh, uh, she will ever admit to uh, because of uh, massive guilt. Uh, she couldn't get passports into the hands of everyone and couldn't get passports into the hands of um, some people who were related to her who were aged two to five. So that's the uh, short version. And Dean, I'm sorry if I didn't give you the much longer version of the story, but I think people get the point that yeah. my mom is my hero because she is a hero. Mm. Yeah. Um you know, and it, I didn't know that story when I met you. And when you, you told me about it, it comes with obviously all kinds of flotsam and jetsam, right? You know, you grow up in a home, um, you know, some stories you hear from your parents, some you don't kind of, you're always curious about where you came from, curious about your parents' lives. Um, but that, a lot of that information um, about your beautiful mother, who, by the way, let me just have a little picture of her. Look at how happy she looks. Look at this. You put this on Twitter. Happy birthday. That heroic woman who saved my life, saved, gave me life, saved my life, and inspired me to speak from the heart. This is January 29, 2024. Mom is 90. Wow. Look at that. Look at that smile. She's got the patented Adler grin. I love she does. it. And yeah. she's the greatest. You know, people uh, over the years have been far too generous uh, with me, rewarding me for being a storyteller. I am nothing like my mom. My mom is the greatest storyteller uh, that I ever met. And despite uh, the hard times and despite the harsh times and everything she endured uh, from, uh, well, from, from the time she was a baby, before this horrible story of the, the Holocaust, my, my mother never got to see her dad because uh, my grandmother was pregnant with my mom when uh, her husband died in his early 20s. A typhus epidemic was uh, sweeping through the village they didn't have the kind of medicine they needed. Uh, he died very, very young in his 20s. And so my uh, mother was in the womb at the time. Mm-hmm. So when uh, she uh, when she emerged, uh, she was without a father. Being without mm-hmm. a father in a uh, village in uh, that part of the world at that time was very, very difficult. So my uh, grandmother decided that she couldn't possibly feed my mom, uh, couldn't afford to, to live there as a single mother, as a widowed uh, widowed woman. So she took my mother out of that village and into the city. And that's why my grandmother and my mother survived, because all the Jews who remained in that village, all of them were put on the train for Auschwitz, 100% liquidation, as they would say, of the Jews in that village. So the death of my maternal grandfather allowed my mother and my grandmother to live. The Mm -hmm. death of my maternal grandmother, of my maternal uh, grandfather, um, is uh, one of the one of the reasons for my own existence. So, I mean, I went to a an MIT a computer scientist a number of years ago when I was working in Boston, and I gave him just slivers of my my life story, asking him uh, what are the chances of my own existence because of all of these I- inner connections and all of this weaving that took place and all of these people uh, who were just uh, 
survivors in a situation where almost everyone around them did not survive. And the computer scientist said, look, uh, I'm not a religious person, but uh, the fact that you were alive, the fact that you exist, um, I have to call it a miracle. Yeah. I, scientists, you know, if, you, if you're not a child of the Holocaust, scientists say that there's a one in 400 quadrillion chance that you were born. Right. So, you know, uh, times that by a compound of 10, if you can even do that. You you didn't come into a lot of this information younger either. Right. I mean, this is information about your family, about your mom, about your history. Yeah, my, my mother, my mother denied all this uh, and yeah. she will still deny it. There's no point in trying Too much to hurt it or is it she just doesn't have the pr- zero pride? Zero. No, uh, no, I just she does not think of herself as a hero at all. And uh, and there's residual survivor's guilt and, and guilt that she couldn't help uh, everybody and specifically couldn't help some some people who were uh, uh, tiny nieces, babies, nephews uh, of hers. I, I think that we can read about, you know, Hitler killed 1.5 million children, and we can read about it. I, I think sometimes uh, the numbers almost numb us unless you were connected personally to any of those uh, children uh it's just it's just not the same you can watch movies like sophie's choice and uh, the holocaust and 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 many others but you never really understand it unless you've been part of that story and of course uh as far as yours truly is concerned i was part of the story in the sense that uh, i saw the residual effects that are lasting mm-hmm. you know you see my mother smile in that photo and that's you know um, there are many, many, many photos of her where she's not smiling. Those photos have been, uh, have been burned, mm. but, uh, you know, uh, my mother has, uh, <clears throat> suffered, um, you know, impacts of, 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 of the Holocaust that we, we now call it, uh, you know, PTSD. Um, uh, my father had it, my, my grandmother, everyone I knew, uh, uh, uncles and aunts, um, and just the basics, uh, severe mood swings. And you just never knew what kind of, uh, they never knew what kind of mood they'd be in at any given moment. Uh, and, and the way they would sometimes react to news and overreact. When I was very, very young, every time my mother saw a police officer, and these police officers were Mounties, and they were OPP, uh, uh, QPF, Sûreté Québec, uh, QPP in English, uh, you know, Quebec Provincial Police or, or Montreal Police or the uh, police services in the various suburbs of Montreal. And in the initial years of living in Montreal, my mother was, I guess, um, 1957. So she was um, just uh, 23 when uh, we landed in Canada. Mm. And every time she saw a cop for like well into her 30s and early 40s, she got, uh, she was frightened. Mm -hmm. Not because she actually thought rationally that these cops were out to get her, out to uh, help, uh, you know, liquidate her family, but that's what, cops were doing when she was yeah. very young so just men in uniform police. when she was younger and in former yeah. years they were yeah. they were ss science and screw yeah. they were yeah. and i can i can say this that fortunately my mother reacted absolutely the opposite to seeing canadian uniforms and one of my you know admonitions for my maternal grandmother who was rescued uh from concentration camp was to always always uh be kind be generous most of all be grateful to anyone in a Canadian uniform, anyone in a British uniform, anyone in an American uniform, in other words, the allies, that without them, they wouldn't be alive. And so uh, that's always, you know, been a special place in my mother's heart and my heart. So when we see Canadian forces, it, um, 
we get we get we get highly emotional and uh, i've probably said this before uh, to you dean that when i see canadian forces uh, whether it's i still say the gardens you know i grew up with maple leaf gardens the montreal forum but uh, you know the acc the scotia bank center whatever they're calling it these days uh scotia bank arena so when i see um when i see uh canadian forces honored at the scotia bank arena or the bell center or the uh the mts center now called the canada life uh, center in uh, in Winnipeg or any of the others, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, doesn't matter. When I see Canadian forces honored, um, I stand. I stand. Uh, I still I stand for the anthem. I stand for Canadian forces. There are certain things that were just inculcated into me uh, from the very beginning uh, by uh, by some grateful little people who managed to survive the uh, the worst bloodbath in history. Mm. Um. Can I ask you a question? First of all, I, I, I want to thank you for even just sharing um, parts of your story, your heritage, uh, where you're from, how important your mother is. Obviously, happy birthday, Mrs. Adler. She's 90. That's a big, that's a big milestone. Um, but does she is she aware of Sharpest Attack? She's aware of the uh, anti-Semitic sentiment that seems to be gaining ground. She's oh. obviously... You know, someone that that watches the news. She obviously consumes information, and she's obviously aware of this rise in anti-Semitism, these protests, and um, I, I, and after you know, eighty years, <clears throat> seventy-five years, eighty years, um, you know, and we talk about PTSD when she sees police officers or when she sees people in uniform because of how she grew up. Does this, do you guys talk about any of no, the, no, no, none of that no. stuff gets talked about. We talk about, we don't talk about the war. We don't talk about anti-Semitism. Mm. We don't talk about any of these. Uh, you talk uh, about the, the rise in anti-Semitism no. today. Not, no. Nothing discussed. No, we don't. But I we mean, it, you, it's funny because even just listening to you now, Chuck, knowing you and knowing what's been important to you in terms of content yeah. when it comes to educating people as to what's going on in Israel, whether it's with Gaza sure. or what's going on here. I mean, it all starts to become crystal clear, almost to the point where I think, you know, I respect you even more because of the line that you tow, trying to explain this to people without emotion. Yeah, I try to explain it without emotion, but uh, I lead a double life as far as my parents are concerned uh, because of everything they've been through. Uh, many topics are absolutely off limits. So I don't just, and everything that I've discussed with you today with respect to my mother, I never discuss with my mother. And uh, my, my grandmother insisted that's the way it has to be uh, many years ago. Her number one rule is to never, ever bring anything up related to the war, related to the ghetto, related to mm. anything uh, that uh, has uh, has um, involved her uh, emotionally. Uh, you know, and it's a real simple admonition from my, my, uh, my grandmother. You know, be grateful to your mother. She gave you life. Be grateful to your mother. She saved your life. She's the one who put me in the backpack and said to my father, you know, we're getting out of here and uh, you're going to take our son out of here. I'll be your scout, but you're the one who's going to be carrying our son. And she said it very, very clearly to him. If you choose not to, I'm going to strap it to my own back because I'm taking the kid out of this and I'm not going to use the word that she used for the country she was born in. She loved her country very much, but she knew that her country had uh, become toxic. Yeah. There was an opportunity, a very thin opportunity to 
uh, try to get some freedom from that country and try to get me some oxygen because that's what she was most concerned about. Uh, all uh, cities that were behind the Iron Curtain under communist rule uh, had the worst air in the world, very polluted. Um, you know, the coal 24 hours and all of these factories, all these homes, coal, 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 no filters at all. And uh, the pollution was attacking my my system. I had pneumonia three times as a child, nearly died three times. And so my mother felt uh, it wasn't just about uh, opportunities and 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 God knows what uh, with living under authoritarianism. So she wanted to save my life on that basis. I had no idea whether I'd ever have a, a future because of the politics and the oppression and the authoritarianism and, yes, the anti-Semitism. But uh, beyond that, it was just uh, physically uh, difficult for me uh, to live there. And so my mother was bound to determine to get me out. My father was a little more cautious about about uh, fleeing uh, the country. But uh, my mother was the uh, CEO of the family, always was, always will be. And she insisted yeah. that he do it. And he, he obeyed, as it were. And uh, my, my mother has always uh, said, my father passed a few years ago. My, my mother always said that my father was the strongest man in the world um, and the most honest man in the world and the best man in the world because he was able to go along with her being the CEO, go along with her independent spirit, uh, trust her good instincts. But, you know, why wouldn't you trust her instincts? Her instincts were uh, incredible, uh, achieving all sorts of um, important benefits for, for people, including uh, including my dad. My, my dad would never have owned a little store. If it wasn't for my mother, he would have died as a very young man in a in a toxic sweatshop. He was, you know, behind the sewing machine for for years and he was getting sick himself as, as a lot of people were in the old sweatshops, the old factories and the uh, garment district of Montreal. And my mother said, you're, you're getting the hell out of here and we're going to scrape together whatever we have to, to have a store. You're going to have your own store. You're still going to work 80 hours a week, but uh, you're, 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 you're we're going to have a ventilation system in your store and you're not going to be getting sick. So that was something that was interesting, whether it was my father or me, my mother was always concerned about getting us uh, better air. And so, both my father and me are grateful my father's passed now, but both of us uh, spent a lifetime of, of gratitude to the woman who turned uh, 90 years old this week. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Mrs. Adler. Um, you know, that is the ultimate sacrifice we're talking about when you were willing to say, hey, I'm taking my kid and we're getting out of here and I don't care what you do. You're either coming with me or you're not, but I'm going to leave everything I know. I'm going to leave my lineage, my culture, my home because I love this little thing. This little and, thing you know, they had, no, they had no idea where they would end up. Because, but Did you ever look knew. at him in like February when you were like 30 and go, hey, how come we couldn't have immigrated to Miami? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. We were we were on it. We were probably on our way to the States. That's where most people yeah. wanted to go. And uh, some of my relatives, um, uh, that, that is where they went. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, there was a story about uh, the 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 person who was the interpreter because my none of my relatives my parents they only spoke uh, Hungarian uh, so there was an interpreter for U.S. immigration uh, naturally someone who could speak Hungarian and apparently my father didn't answer the question correctly because my father was so whipped into uh, never saying anything bad about the government I mean he uh, you know he was raised with fascism and communism and you just don't say anything especially to a person in uniform about the government and this person in uniform, an American uniform asked my father how he felt about the government. And my father just gave the answer he would always give in Hungary. Uh, I, I have no, tr no problem with the government. 
because that was that was just an instinctive answer. When you're applying for refugee status, <laughs> that's the wrong. Kind of tells the opposite story. It's the wrong answer back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so my relatives, you know, my American relatives, you know, laughed at my father for a long time because he he got that answer uh, he got that answer wrong. But my father said to them that the joke's on you. We ended up in a better country. You know, my father. Uh, Canada gave us a second chance. They didn't hold it against my father that he, yeah. you know, stumbled and uh, obviously stressed, uh, got the wrong answer. They, uh, he got the right answer. They gave the right answer when the Canadian uh, authorities asked him how he felt about the country uh, that he came from. And he said, well, it's a dangerous country and that's why I'm here. Uh, still didn't want to say anything bad about the government, just that it's dangerous there and that, that's why we're here. And that was good enough for Canada. And so my father literally literally kissed a Canadian soil, as did my mom, as did yours truly, more mm -hmm. than once. I once had a program director, and he'll remain nameless, and they heard me tell that story on the air about kissing Canadian soil, and he said to me, Chuck, I wish you wouldn't uh, say that. Nobody believes you. I said, I, I don't care if anybody believes yeah. me. Uh, you know, I have uh, uh, made a, a, a decent living. I put food on the table for yours truly, and many, many many other people, many jobs created and all the rest of it. Very proud of that. Mm -hmm. uh, selling a lot for advertisers, helping their employees. So mm -hmm. I'm extremely proud of everything I've done. And I just uh, tell it the way it is. I, I tell you, tell you the truth. Some of it is, uh, is, 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 is funny. Some of it is ugly, but it's the truth. And the truth is, yes, I've kissed Canadian soil several times. And this program director said, I, I don't believe you. And that was one of the several times I've told uh, my bosses to, uh, Go f their hats. I don't Kindly go fornicate themselves. Yeah, 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 go go make love to your ball cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Without Mazzola, I don't. You don't. I know who you're talking about, and that guy has a lifetime supply of Mazzola on 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 his nightstand. Um, <clears throat> anyway, you know you can take you can chase your origin story of Charles Adler, the reprogramming of Charles Adler. But there are some things that have always been very important to you. We talk about being reprogrammed. We talk about learning more. We talk about changing. We talk about uh, educating ourselves along the way. And the education I'm getting today speaks to a couple of things that are very important to you. Why you have decided to speak out against authoritarian talking points, well, it makes perfect sense to me now. Uh, why you're trying to raise that flag for authoritarian stuff makes sense to me now. And I'll tell you the other thing that makes sense to me is your respect of women, strong women. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know. That, that comes naturally. Nobody yeah. you had to send me to a seminar. <laughs> to respect Growing up with Mrs. Adler, uh, who not only wore the pants, she also had the CEO hat on. She had the, you know, the. And, the my, and my maternal grandmother who raised, a, who was wid widowed very young and had to be the, you know, we would sure. say in the old days, we had to wear the pants in the family. She had yeah. to take care of my mom and a number of, number of other people. Yeah, she was also. Very no a boss with a capital B. Yeah, but. and they, neither of them ever would call themselves a feminist, but they were, I guess they were feminists long before there was feminism. Totally. I mean, and it, there, there's nothing more powerful than a woman who's able to set that family compass, right? And I believe that. Like my, you know, and I, I look at it from a different perspective, obviously. My mom is my hero. She's like, yeah. I think she's perfect. I've never seen her do anything wrong. I feel the same way about my girlfriend. I'm like, ah, you're perfect for me. I don't know. I can't, I can't find anything wrong with you. And she's a boss with a capital B. My yeah. mom is a boss with a capital B. We are, yeah. We are attracted to, to strong women. And it's not, yeah. not a great surprise that many of them happen to be, you know, bosses of whatever businesses they're involved in. The incredibly successful, which brings me to the Taylor Swift conversation. Oh, my God. Um, I've got nothing but respect for this one. 
Like yeah. absolutely nothing but respect for what she's done, how she's apparently been able to stay true to herself. She seems like she's just a normal human being who deals in these massive amounts of money and gives people what she can. She gave her tour guys like 55 million in extra money this year. Every city she goes in, she gives people food banks enough money to be able to operate for like literally years. Um, you know, she's a billionaire. She's the biggest pop star in the world. She's dating Travis Kelsey. He's going to the Super Bowl. We all saw that this weekend and the backlash of people. I don't know what their problem is. Maybe they're mad they're not Travis Kelsey. Maybe they, they're intimidated by strong women. But your stance, my stance, the stance of people like Colin Cowherd, the stance of people who are like, let's get fucking real. Pardon my language, but let's get real here. And let's talk about how people are intimidated by that strong woman. Um, I'm not saying that everyone who's part of the, the right-wing ecosystem, everyone who supports so-called strong men like... Donald Trump and Viktor Orban and, and, and others. I'm not saying and 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 want to bash Travis and Taylor. Um, I'm not saying that all of them are dickless wonders. You know that wouldn't be fair. But I would say that there are a number of men in our society, for whatever reason, feel alienated, feel very lonely. And uh, don't have strong women, in many cases, don't have any women in their lives. And they have a great big uh, chip on their shoulder about women. You know, many of them feel that uh, the revolution that's taken place, the social revolution in the last number of years, where women have gotten rights, where women are able to burst through the glass ceiling and they can be premiers and CEOs and all the rest of it. There are a lot of men out there who feel that this has come at the expense of men at uh, their expense, and I just have this sneaking suspicion that all of this incredible rage out there among some men who are, whether it's part of the Canadian right wing or American right wing or the Hungarian right wing or whatever, uh, I just have a feeling that that is a part of it. Not all, but 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 a significant percentage of men are angry all the time because of their 24-7 frustration with being lonely and being without women in their lives without women partners. And I think someone like Taylor Swift and the whole Taylor and Travis thing. Just a constant reminder of their loneliness. Yeah, I, I think I think that's what it is. And I think they're so lonely they don't even know it. And uh I just I can I can sense it. The ones who aren't bots who are on whether they're following uh you uh, Dean or, or myself or many others, the, the rage that they exhibit in their in their replies is so irrational. And I don't think it's a great surprise that some of these same men who are constantly raging about people like Taylor Swift and and and, and Travis Kelsey uh, are the same ones who rage about Trudeau. I'm not trying to take Trudeau off the hook for the you know scandals and, and some of the other stuff. That's not my point at all. But the irrational raging, I just I, I believe that if if Trudeau looked like an average guy, or maybe even less than average, like a Pierre Polyev, you know. I think if Trudeau was, you know, doggy, less than uh, average. What's what's a nice what, what's a nice way of saying it? You know, not exactly handsome. Yeah, if he was uh, ugly. I, yeah, if he was but ugly. Okay, there I said it. Fugly, uh, if you will. All right. So if he was if he was an ogre, yeah. uh, if he was the guy who looks like uh, the guy who never gets to dance with the girl and all that, um, I think that uh, he wouldn't have the you know the the some of the problem he does. I'm not saying he'd be ahead in the polls. That's not my point at all. Many, many PMs have a hard time being ahead in the polls if they've been in power for 
the better part of a de decade, nearly a decade. So, I mean, I, I get all of the obvious political science 101 stuff. Uh, yeah. But I, I just think the incredible animus toward uh, toward Trudeau, just like the incredible animus toward toward Taylor Swift, I think there's um, there's something that some guys have a problem with when it comes to strong people who are also very attractive people. It brings out the worst in them. Just in the ugly, lazy dudes, right? Like th that's that's sort of like what we're talking about here. It's an IQ issue. It's a mental health, emotional issue. It's all of those things. But you point to irrationality or you know not being reasonable. There, you you should be able to in any conversation, any tweet, any tweet thread, any anything you're doing, whether it's digital or visual, whether it's in person or not, you should be able to draw a straight line in a normal conversation with normal people from statement to answer to question to yeah. statement it makes right. sense. But when you're like, hey, congratulations, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What a run, right? And right. someone's like, shut up, you pedophile. Or <laughs> shut up, you pedophile. Or you just drank X amount of this guy's stuff. Like I yeah, got yeah, that yesterday yeah. about Trudeau's yeah. a big picture. I was like, you guys got to be kidding me. Um, it, you, you, can, you can really kind of set your clock, rest your hat, put your coat on a on, on a code hook on the idea that it's not real. Number one and number two, if it is, that person is just a lonely, sad, incredibly jealous person. And I actually had a conversation with someone the other day about this, where I was like, do you, do you understand this? And, and he had a good point. It was a buddy of mine. His name's chop. And he's like, you know what I think? And I'm like, sometimes this stuff, like the simplest answer makes sense. Like we don't need to go into how lonely guys are. Yeah. It's like, there are so many people out there who hate their lives so much. Yeah that they look at the world's biggest, incredibly attractive pop star dating one of the best football players, best tight ends to ever play the game, who's also incredibly successful. And they look at them and they're like, that just means my life sucks extra. Yeah. Like, love, and that, uh, and I've said it and I'm like, you know what? That makes right. actually more sense than anything else. It's just their, their lives suck so hard in some yeah. cases. You know, and yeah. you're much nicer explaining it. Oh, there's <laughs> no, but, only guys. But but what 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 makes me laugh? I'm sorry, I, I have to laugh. What makes me laugh is that they they try to uh, cloak this with the dumbest things in the world. Like they keep talking about. I'm talking about the uh, the the American right wing uh, predominantly right now. Yeah. They try to cloak this in 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 something related to public health matters and freedom <laughs> uh, by saying that Travis did a commercial for Pfizer. Yeah. And so you got Aaron Rodgers who didn't want to take the vax. Yeah. Who calls Travis Mr. Pfizer. Yeah. And you get like gazillions of right wingers going, Yeah, yeah, he's with Big Pharma. He took money from Big Pharma and he and he took money to do a, a, a commercial where he was promoting vaccination. This guy was actually encouraging people to get vaccinated. Yeah. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. That, that, that's a problem. You know, there may oh, have been, I don't know how many thousands was, of people got vaccinated. Because Travis did an ad, and that's supposed to that's supposed to make him a bad guy, <laughs> dude. And it's but here's the thing: it's like it's the only thing they can hang their hat on is anything COVID related, right? So they're they'll figure out a way to tie Travis Kelsey to some conspiracy theory because yeah. he's, he he was a spokesperson for Pfizer, and yeah. he and he told everybody to get vaccinated. Aaron Rodgers is a spokesperson for crazy incel, so everybody's like, yeah, let's line up behind Aaron Rodgers. But it, it's any way they can attack some kind of religious or wellness message to it, yeah. like, hey. If you support Taylor Swift, because there are these two. Have you seen these two conspiracy theories? I got to show them to you. These are these are unbelievable. Um, I, it's hard to imagine 
Uh, Taylor Swift conspiracy number one, uh, that Taylor Swift is working with Roger Goodell to announce her Biden endorsement during the Super Bowl. If you remember that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was a big one. Jack Posobiec and Vivek Ramsmarmi, whatever the uh, guy's name is. Uh, th- that's the one that they, they propagated. But the one that I love the most is this one. Taylor Swift is a satanic agent of witchcraft sent here by Satan. that keeps God chosen. God's chosen one, Donald J. Trump, out of the White House. And, and the linchpin for all of those, and this is what I love, is the vaccine. Yeah. That is, and, and so it's like, you know, you look at it from a political opportunity standpoint, as ridiculous and crazy as it is, you've got a MAGA movement, or in Canada, the Maple MAGA movement, filled with those kinds of people who are like, I, I, you know what, I buy it. I buy it. This is a whole Biden, like, satanic yeah. conspiracy theory. And it goes all the way back to the origin story of vaccines and science. And they're also knocking Taylor Swift because she's going to be doing a concert in Tokyo uh, two days before uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Super Bowl's in Vegas. And so the minute she leaves the stage in Tokyo, she's getting get in a plane, which will fly for whatever it is, 14 hours, 16 hours, whatever it is, from Tokyo to Vegas. And so they're saying, this liberal hypocrite is going to be burning a lot of fuel to fly. To, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't this tell you how hypocritical the liberals are? They're, you know, they, they talk a good game about uh, lowering emissions, but they, yeah. but they get on airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the chemtrails. <laughs> I have never once heard Taylor Swift complain about chemtrails. Never once heard her talk about being a climate warrior or a liberal. Never once heard her claim her political stance or cultural stance other than hey, let's pick, pick a president that's good for the people. Never once. But to your point. Yeah. Why not throw climate change in there? Right? <laughs> Why not? And then, and then, and then the same, uh, you know, right wingers and not all incels. I have no idea how many, uh, but the point is, these people who hate beautiful women, strong women, unless they're you know working for Fox and obviously raking their leaves. But um, the, the ones who aren't working for Fox, the ones who aren't uh, uh, trying to become vice president, uh, presidential running mate for Donald Trump, like the you know the governor of South Dakota and some others. Uh, but you know the Taylor Swifts of this world, um, it's uh, it's it, it's it's not just about um, you know the, the climate change business. It's also the fact that they believe that Taylor Swift was involved in a conspiracy when she was messaging on Twitter and other social media platforms, encouraging young people to vote. She encouraged young people to register. I have no idea how many young people have registered to vote because of Taylor Swift. But the fact that she's encouraging people to vote, that means <laughs> there's something wrong <laughs> with her. And she'd only be encouraging people to vote if she thought they were going to vote for Biden. She yeah, never yeah. said vote for Biden. She never done any of that. But, <laughs> and then the other problem, of course, is that they, they have a problem with the NFL because they yeah. feel the NFL is showing too much of Taylor Swift. So, you know, they're saying things like, I just want to watch the football game. I just want to watch the football game. She was on my screen for an hour. Do you yeah. know what the math is? Can I show you the math? Yeah, absolutely. How long she was on TV sure. for? Yeah, this yeah. is really, this is brilliant. Uh, amount of time CBS allocated to showing Taylor Swift at the AFC Championship. The game time runtime was three hours, nine minutes. Taylor Swift was shown seven, seven times for a total of 44 seconds. That means uh, she was not on television for 99.61% of the broadcast. Yeah. 99 uh, people making, <laughs> serving, and eating crab cakes were a close second to 27 seconds. 
Dolphins, right sharks, and jellyfish at the local aquarium. 24 <laughs> seconds. Patrick Mahomes' wife was on TV for 10. Ravens coach brother, John Harbaugh, five seconds. John Harbaugh's dad, four seconds. And that's what you got. Just so you know, yeah. and Colin Cowherd said it best, even though I'm not a Cowherd guy, just so you know, in an NFL three-hour broadcast, there are 18 minutes of action. 18 minutes. 18 minutes. So for all of you people that said in your three-hour broadcast you want all football, you've never gotten it ever once. You've gotten 18 yeah. minutes in a three-hour time period. Partner, I got, I got, I got a, a math issue here. Yeah. I think it's 18 minutes an hour. In runtime? Football? It might be. Do, do, do they only have eighteen minutes of ads in all three hours? No, they've no, 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 no. They've got eighteen minutes of actual football being played. Oh yeah, okay, no, but uh, but yeah. I think they've got about eighteen minutes of ads per hour. Oh, something easily. like that. I easily. could be off by it. By they a got more ads, so you're not watching football when the ads are on. Yeah, you're not yeah. Watching football when football's on, and right. you're definitely not watching Taylor Swift when football's yeah. on. So just so everyone knows, there are far more ads in a football game than actual running time. Anyway, the the point is. If Taylor Swift gets somewhere between 25 and 55 seconds, it's very, very hard for people to be credible when they say, I just want to see the game. They, just Listen. They, they see Taylor Swift and they get they get triggered. Taylor triggers them. And totally. I, I, I'm never going to find that unfunny. And, 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 and the fact that we're not talking about a handful of people, but millions of people. And, and Fox News does entire segments on the oh, yeah. Taylor and uh, Travis – conspiracy to elect joe biden mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know why more people aren't laughing like you see people that get really upset when these create this crazy shit happens when he's like here's a conspiracy theory about taylor swift and satan witchcraft that was another one witchcraft was a big one there's like she's totally did i have i shown you this this is incredible candace taylor she tweets yesterday i tried to warn y'all back in october the influence of taylor swift on our youth with witchcraft was demonic evil and luciferian no one listened of course, Satan wants to use her to now to elect Joe back in the White House to destroy what's left of America. Then she says, and I love this, no surprise here. Listen, if any of that's true, that's a massive surprise. Well, the, the that's crazy, a huge surprise. The crazy conspiracy is that the NFL is doing whatever it can to make sure that the Kansas City Chiefs end up in the Super Bowl. And the reason I find that also hilarious is the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in the last five years. So, like, it does it take the NFL to push them into the Super Bowl? Do they not have a record for? Anyway, I just you know, with, like, like with every other theory, um, it simply rests on one leg of a of a of a, of a three legged stool, and that's the most important leg of any conspiracy theory: the absolute desire for the believers to believe without evidence. Yeah, and that's why sometimes. Some of us get a little crazy. Oh, wait a minute. There's there's no evidence. That, that what's most important about all of these theories is that we people who want to hate on Taylor Swift do not require evidence. They just see her and boom. You know what I was going to say? I was going to bring up um, another ideology that doesn't require any evidence or proof, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to end the podcast here because you've been working with me on not doing that. Thank you. Thank you. very. God bless you. God bless you, my son. Hey, dude. For, if he was for, real, I'd not, take it. Not being, not being a Judas today. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Charles Adler. Happy birthday to Mrs. Adler. I want to thank her. Now, Mrs. Adler, if you're looking at me, and I know you're not, but if you can see me, I want to thank you for my friend. Thank you for bringing me Charles Adler. 
Thank you for smuggling him out of Hungary in that burlap sack. Thank you for giving him to Canada. Thank you for the gift that is that man. He is my friend, and I'm very grateful. So thank you, Mrs. Adler, and happy birthday to you. And, dude, thank you for taking time today. Thank you. God God bless uh, my mom, Mm. and God bless uh, every member of the Canadian Forces and every parent and everyone else who supports our forces. And uh, God bless the memory of uh, the forces that helped people like uh, my family, the Adler family, uh, rescue them in in, uh, in World War II and uh, continue to do great work around the world. When you see a Canadian uniform, uh, let them know from Uncle Chuck here that uh, he and his family are very, very grateful for their service in uniform. And I love you all. Thank you. There you go. Charles Adler. I really appreciate you being here. His podcast is called The Charles Adler Show, The Charles Adler Podcast, available anywhere you get your fine podcasts. Uh, And it's one of the best. It is popularization. It's explaining things. He's got a heart. And listen, when 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 you go through a podcast like this, you get an identity of a gentleman who's very familiar with authoritarian talking points. I want you to follow him on Twitter, at Charles Adler. I want you to listen to his counsel. Uh, not just you who's confused about the way things work in this world, but confused about what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Uh, that man has the ability to be able to sluice through it and be able to tell you what's really going on. And it's one of the things I appreciate most about you. Charles, great to see you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Anytime. Charles Adler, ladies and gentlemen, his podcast is available anywhere you get your fine podcast. I suggest you do so. Everybody needs a podcast conscience. That man's mine. I'm just lucky that I have his phone number. Thank you to Charles. Thank you to everybody who's taking part in this podcast today just by listening, watching. You can get everything we do at Cryer Media, Cryer.co. You can also go to YouTube. Check us out on our YouTube channels. Dean Blundell Show and, of course, Cryer Media. This is reprogrammed. My name is Dean. That is Charles. And thanks to our friends at Cantor for making this possible. Uh, Colin is one of the greatest guys in the world, and he's an incredible Canadian success story. He found himself out of work 20 years ago in the tool industry. We just did a huge podcast with him. His story of resilience, professionalism, and trust after 20 years of making Canada's most rugged, hardworking torque wrenches is awesome. Go and check him out. Go to Cantorque.com. they got a brand new website. You can sub to his podcast there as well, right on the front page. Check out all of his podcasts. Check out all of his product services, news. And you can contact them if you're looking for tool rentals, calibration services, repairs to custom fabrication and distribution opportunities. Cantorque offers a complete range of services, products, making your one-stop shop destination for all of your bolting needs. Make sure you give him a call today by going to his website and get in touch with him. The little tab on the front of the website. It's a beautiful website. You can check out everything they do from boring machines and boring tunnels These guys make torque wrenches nobody in the world makes for heavy industry around the world. Nuclear, forestry, railroad, doesn't matter. Cantorque.com. Visit them and check out Colin today. Brought to you as well by Muse Massage Spa. Download their new podcast called Muse on the Mic. It's a good one. They're clinical sexologists. On top of it, they're entrepreneurs and advocates for the sex work industry, and they actually operate Muse Massage Spa here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, 1290 Finch Avenue West, Unit 13 in Toronto. Give them a call today, 416-739-6668. Emily and Riley are your hosts and the owners of Muse Massage Spa and the hosts of Muse on the mic. Make sure you get their download of their uh, Patreon channel as well. They get a little greasy there, too. They give the behind-the-scenes conversations. But everything they do is at crier.co. Download their podcast again anywhere you get your fine podcasts. Muse on the mic. Again, Muse on the mic. MuseMassageSpa.com. And, of course, brought to you by our friends at Gitch. Boxer briefs, pouch in the front, engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. You can use promo code GITCH3 when you go to Ed's Fine Imports. Listen, I love these underwear. A big underwear guy and uh, everybody is like 
you've got your gitch. You've got your underwear. These are your gitch. I promise you they are. Boxer briefs made for moving, barely there fabric, super soft, keeping you cool with moisture wicking fabric as well. And the pouches are big enough for Canadian guys. Americans can buy them too. You just won't fill it out in the front. Um, but you will get the best luxury boxer brief that is made today on the market. So check them out today. Go to edsfineimports.com, promo code GITCH3 at checkout. Get your free pair of underwear and you buy three or more and give them 15% with 15% off at checkout as well when you give them your uh, email address. That's nice. It's not even going to spam you. Isn't that great? Anyway. Thank you, everybody, for being part of the show. Thank you very much, Charles, for joining us today. Don't forget, everything we do is at crier.co, and make sure you rate and subscribe to this podcast if you can. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.